It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Okay, guys, I need you to work with me here. If someone you truly love the most in your life were killed, let's say skydiving, there's a pretty good chance you'd say, I am never going to put on a parachute and jump out of a plane. Or, or say, for example, if a loved one were killed by a lion at the zoo, I'm guessing you probably would not become a zookeeper in the big cats exhibition. A lot of us in either situation or any situation like this would say, you know what, this is too painful, no way. I mean, am I right? Most people avoid the very thing, or the professional field at least, that had anything to do with the loss of a loved one. But my guest today did the opposite. She jumped into the proverbial lion's den and is now working to change the industry that irreversibly impacted her life. Her name is Anne Merkerji. At age four, she was assaulted by an inebriated teenager. And when she was 14... Her mother was killed by a drunk driver. The horrors in her life involving alcohol don't even end there, but Anne decided she would, dare we say, infiltrate the very industry that arguably caused her so much life pain in order to alter it for the better. You guys ready? Anne today is the CEO of Pernod Ricard North America. This is, yes, the spirits company whose brands include Absolute Vodka, Malibu Rum, Jameson, Kahlua, and so many other names. And we welcome her to Everyone Talks to Liz. Hi, Anne. Liz, how are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. And particularly because this is a highly unusual story, Anne. I mean, you're diving into the very river that triggered so many tears years ago. Uh, You've got to at least explain to our listeners, because this may help so many people face and and change for the better things that have frightened them in so many different ways. I mean, do I have that right? You do. Um, You know, and I and I think for me, um, what it really boils down to the headline is it's never the stimulus. It's the response. Mm. And these events in my life, um, they they were they nearly you know killed me. Um, the pain, the devastation. Um, but it's what what I felt was if this was happening to me, and if I felt this pain, I would never want it on anyone else ever, and I didn't want it to control me. So I said, okay, I'm going to walk into the fire. And if I'm really going to take responsibility and 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 make sure that it doesn't happen to others, because I know what it feels like, mm-hmm. I'm going to get a seat at the table. And that's basically what I did. Uh, you not only have a seat at the table, you are at the head of the table yeah. at Pernod Ricard North America. And to me, this is just uh, so many successes piled into one really incredible story. Let me take you back to your childhood. You grew up in India. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a typical immigrant story. Uh, born in India, um, only child. Parents wanted a better life for me. You know, we immigrated to America. Um, We lived in Chicago. So, you know, I I grew up there and, um, 
you know, and it was a great life. It was, it was, you know, everything that an immigrant family wants, uh, prosperity. And it, and it taught me so much about gratitude to this country. And I never took for granted what I had. And then, you know, when I was 14, um, as you said, I saw my mother in front of me get killed by a drunk driver and my life absolutely turned upside down. And um, it, 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 made me rethink everything, everything that I aspired to be, wanted to be. And um, it it went from, you know, I had to go from survival to how to strive. Um, and, and maybe they say, right, um, every crisis is an opportunity. And that's kind of what it was for me. And um, it changed my life because after that, I immigrated back to India um and had to had to thrive there in a in a world where i was not familiar um i was taken away the, from things that i was comfortable with mm. but it made me stronger and um it made me stand up on my two feet when i had no other choice i saw a good quote recently that said the women who walk into the fire think to themselves, the successful ones, I'm not going to get burned by the fire. I'm going to become the fire. It it almost sounds like you made that choice at a really young age to say, I'm going to lift my head up and I'm going to figure this out. When in your later teen and adult life did you realize this is what I'm going to do? I'm actually going to go into branding because it didn't start in the alcohol industry. No, no. <laughs> Um, and to your point, it didn't even start with branding or marketing. Um, it was it was really interesting because I was supposed to be, you know, Indians are supposed to either be doctors or engineers. And that's where <laughs> I was headed and I'm supposed to be a neurosurgeon. And, um, you know, when you go back to India and, and, and it's a whole new educational system. So I, I immediately when I got to India, I, I, I got jaundice from the water. So I was bedridden for like four months. And so, you know. I, I lost the education race. Um, it's competitive in India. So, you know, I shifted from, you know, science to what's called in India commerce. And I got into business. No clue what I was going to do with it. But what I what I did know is this. Um, I went back to University of Chicago to get my bachelor's degree. And by this point, you know, I'm, I'm 17. And I got to tell you, Liz, all that kept me up at night was trying to figure out why people do what they do, mm. whether it's good or harm. That's the only question that kept me going. And, you know, I, I started in economics at, you know, Chicago, because, you know, that's what it's known for. Yes. Thinking, yeah, maybe there's a rational reason why people do what they do. And I realized that the intersection of supply and demand did not explain human behavior. And um, I did a second degree in religious theology. And I did comparative world religions and the psychology of religion. Okay, so stop right there because, Anne, as you're talking to me about economics and data and supply and demand, I mean, this is kind of ironic that I'm a business news anchor, but small secret here, I, I nearly failed <laughs> Econ 101 at UC Berkeley. I was like, who cares about this? And why am I even spending five seconds on this beyond that it's a core curriculum class? Now I'm so into it, but it took me decades before I got into the business news part of television news. So you didn't just immediately embrace economics, did you? No, um, because 
again, it was the closest thing to science in a social world. So that kept my father happy, but it didn't, it didn't speak to my soul. And so I did both. I had enough credits to do two bachelor's degrees. And, you know, what's really interesting, Liz, is now fast forward to your point decades later, it's, it's the heart of what I do because it's the heart of behavioral economics. It's about predictive human behavior. And if you ask me what business I'm really in, that's the business that I'm in. Okay, so you went to work at Kraft Heinz. I think you worked at PepsiCo Frito-Lay, correct? Yeah, yes. That's a great <laughs> job to have. Can I just say that right off the bat? It was. I, I was known as the corn queen because anything made with corn was what I worked on. <laughs> By the way, corn just hit $8 a bushel. I, I know oh. that's a lot. Yeah, We've got so much oh, crazy inflation Wheat, at corn. the moment. Yes. All yes. right. But how did you transition to the alcohol industry? And did it, I mean, was it a circuitous route? Did it somehow fall in your lap and you thought, I can't do this? My mom died because of somebody who over imbibed, who knows? I mean, tell us what was inside your mind. You know, Liz, I I do not believe in coincidences. I, I believe that things happen for a reason and subconsciously we're being guided there and we're making decisions that get us there. So at the time that, you know, I got the call from Pernod Ricard, you know, I was at SC Johnson. I was the chief global uh, commercial officer and uh, great job. I, I, you know, I had 110 countries reporting to me. I I, I was it was wonderful. Um, Of course, you know, I was selling things like Windex and, you know, Glade and, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, very different products. And then I got a phone call about being on some secret list um, of candidates that they wanted to hire. And they really wanted someone who had a proven track record, turnaround businesses, global perspective, knew the U.S. market. And behold, it's an alcohol company. And I didn't ask for it. I wasn't looking for it. And it just fell into my lap. And oh my God. here's the other thing, Liz. You know, when I was in high school, I had to choose a language and I and I chose French. And again, when I was a little girl, I was like, why did you choose French? And I'm like, well, I might be a U.N. translator one day or I want to work for a French company. OK, you're scaring me because I'm kidding. Moi aussi, <laughs> I chose French and <laughs> I dreamed of becoming a diplomat. I thought I'd be some type of diplomat. And, right? uh, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, no, Liz, you just want to be able to shop in French. You know, <laughs> you just want to go to Paris and that's the end of that. Uh, and I was a French major, which everybody said, what the hell are you going to do with that? Wow. But there are no coincidences, as you say, because you find a way to utilize it and it will come to your advantage. So what was your gut reaction when you got the call from Pernod? Um, That moment of just that was the reckoning. It was like the universe was trying to tell me something. And I took it as, you know, they're looking, you know, the universe is telling you, okay, we've been training you for decades to stand up and be courageous. It's now time for you to walk over, you know, the threshold and make it happen. And I did. I I, I thought it was like a sign. I, I know it's crazy. Some people are like, I don't believe in signs. I, I did. And, you know, it's a French company, always wanted to work for a French company. And it was my moment to give back. Oh, my. This is incredible to me. And and was there a moment where you maybe had a little conversation with mom up in the heavens or wherever people go after this world and and 
were you able to say anything, even to just yourself, to give you that oh, courage? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I do a lot of journaling. And in my journaling, um, a long time ago, uh, someone, you know, therapist said, you know, write letters to your mom. She's not gone. You can still write to her. And so I did. I did a lot of journaling. And what's also coincidental, again, my father-in-law, who has passed away, uh, was an incredible man. And his most favorite brand in the world, it's like the, the brand that he lived and died by, was Chivas Regal. And of course, Pernod Ricard owns Chivas Regal. Wow. And so I was like, okay, I think my <laughs> father-in-law made this happen. And my mother's like trying to say, okay, <laughs> make sure this doesn't happen to anyone else. And so uh, there you are. Well, how how did you embrace the position as somebody who would promote these spirits, wines, beer, etc., and at the same time, work on altering it and the culture around it, because you have done some amazing things, and it all actually revolves around the word responsibly, correct? Yes, yes. I, you know, credit goes to, I always say to folks, if you're going to join a company, join its values, and I wasn't just joining an alcohol company. I was joining a company of responsibility. I mean, Pernod Ricard, at a, I mean, this credit goes to, you know, the, our global chairman, Alex Ricard. I mean, first, he hires me. Second, he knows my story. Third, he's like, you know what? Go for it. And because Pernod Ricard has always believed in this notion of conviviality. And it's a word that's not common in the American language. Um, I know you know it, Liz, mm -hmm. but you know, we, we try to translate it for our teams. And basically what it means is there's magic when human beings come together. Mm -hmm. And that magic can create incredible things if done with respect and responsibility. And that's at the heart of our company. And so coming into this role and, you know, stepping up on this notion of return on responsibility and not just, you know, return on investment, I mean, the company embraced it. And so, you know, credit goes to the company, credit goes to, you know, Alex. And I'm just, like I said, it was meant to be. It was meant to be. We're not done yet. We'll be back in a moment. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. 
Well, when you say working on ROR, return on responsibility, uh, let's talk about how you manage to market using the word responsibly and yeah. and why that somehow did not manage to turn off consumers. You know, um, great, as I said, great uh, brand building is all around understanding what your brand, right, um, what people want to buy into your brand. And three weeks after I started my job, one of our first areas of focus was was Absolute. You know, Absolute was a brand that's always been about provocation and, you know, pushing culture and, right. you know, whether gay rights back in the, you know, 80s and 90s, but it had lost its way. And so, you know, I come on and, you know, my first challenge is you got to do something with Absolute and you got to do it fast. And I remember I went to the board my first three weeks on the job and, you know, I said, guys, I want to do something around consent and I want to go out there and I want Absolute to speak about the Me Too movement. And, you know, that was our first foray into, you know, responsibility with Absolute. And it was, you know, sex responsibly. Only a yes to sex is a yes. And you cannot use alcohol as a weapon um, against victims. And that was the message from Absolute. And I put my personal story out there. And, you know, and I've said since then, like, if you're buying our brands uh, to victimize others, we don't want your business. And it it mattered. It worked for the brand. It worked for the company. And, um, you know, since then, we've been, you know, it's been the core message around our Absolute brand. Uh, it's been the core message around how we do that on other brands, but in a in a more relevant way for those brands. And, you know, look, I <laughs> our business is up, you know, absolute is up. Um, That's what I wanted to know. Can you see a correlation <laughs> or at least not a, a, a degradation in a way? Yeah. I mean, look, there's a lot of factors going on in these last two years. I've been in the company. There's been covid, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> but, you know, uh, <laughs> this minor thing. But, you know, our business, uh, you know, we've been up 17% in the last two years, the highest growth we've ever seen for the company um, here in North America. And, you know, it's, are there correlations? Of course, there's not. Are there other things that we're doing? Absolutely. We've got some really smart business management going on too. But, you know, Liz, it, it all comes together. And um, it, it, it's, that's how you run a business. Mm-hmm. It's the heart of the business and the brain of the business. And they're working. I digress a little bit here, but it's important because I know some of our listeners are saying, wait, 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 didn't didn't President Biden ban Russian caviar and Russian vodka from importing here to the U.S.? I did a story the day he did that to point out that a bunch of vodka names that people think are made in Russia are not absolute is made in Sweden. Correct. I mean, how have you have you had to battle a little bit against the misinformation that's out there? I'll be honest, we we haven't. Um, We've, uh, at least on Absolute, we've been very proud of our Swedish heritage. We talk about that we're a Swedish vodka right on the bottle. Um, And so we've never faced any backlash whatsoever. And I think, you know, could it actually have been a tailwind for us? It might have been. Um, And we're very proud of the, you know, it comes from this village in Sweden, Aus, and um, we've taken a lot of pride in that in that heritage, and it's 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 been good for us. Have you been there? I have. It's stunning. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and the Northern Lights. Do you get to see that? Oh, 
It's uh, haven't been able to do that yet, but it's on my bucket list. And, yeah. you know, I have to go there for business. So it'll be, you know, it'll be, it'll be difficult. But we'll uh, do it. Yeah. And you're, you're a little busy right now. Disco dancing in absolute land that's linked to Coachella. Now you're in the metaverse. Was that, I mean, how did this idea come together? Well, listen, Absolute's always been, you know, we say we're born to mix, right? Whether it's cocktails and, you know, Absolute holds up in cocktails, but more importantly, Absolute's always been about inclusivity. And so we're now living in a new world. You you look at, you know, people who are drinking age, you know, 21 plus, mm-hmm. Gen Z, millennials, they come together. They socialize a little differently than, you know, me, Gen, Gen X, right? So this is a this is this is the new reality. And you know, that's why we went into the metaverse. There are people today that want real life experiences and either can't go, are scared to go, can't afford to go. Yeah. So they but they still want access. And so that's what the metaverse is all about. It's where real life comes together with virtual life. And so what's it been like? You guys kicked it off on oh, Friday, uh, by the way. Yes. So this was the weekend of Coachella. And and what kind of attendance in the metaverse did you get? So I'll tell you, Liz, we had no clue what we were going to expect, right? Because right, we're right, experimenting. Right, right. And before it opened, there were 500 people just waiting to get in. In the in the weekend, it's only been two, two or three days. We still got two weeks to go. You know, we've had like... 13,000 visitors. Like we've had to hold people back because it's limited in space, right? Because the bandwidth in this metaverse, it's, it's huge. So it's so many people you can accommodate at a time and it's, it's been on fire. We've broken, you know, every, I think statistic that, you know, Decentraland has told us about. So, you know, people, if you give them the experience, they will come and, that's what we're seeing right now. Well, what do they get to do once they're in there? <laughs> I mean, I'm old, Anne. I mean, I'm a kid of the 70s and the 80s, okay? Like, I don't, this whole thing is just blowing my mind, but. I mean, Liz, so first of all, you create an avatar, right, in Decentraland. You come into Absolute Land and, you know, you, we have to age verify you. And, you know, we've got virtual bouncers to make sure, like, you're acting appropriately. Oh, my God. House rules, believe it or not, seriously. <laughs> and then, um, you know, there's dancing, there's music, um, Swedish House Mafia, you know, debuted their album, their comeback album in the metaverse in our jukebox. Um, there's, you know, you it's gamification. So you collect different cocktail ingredients and put them together and um, you get these wearables that are fashion designed um, as an NFT. Um, and then if you like the cocktails and you want to have one in real life, you just go to our vending machine and order it and it's delivered to your home. So it's it's this incredible kind of virtual world where people are just enjoying music and fashion and cocktails and most importantly, connections, authentic connections, though, in a virtual world. Oh, my gosh. This is just amazing. It, I mean, I want our listeners to know that this Playboy is doing it. They have the virtual Playboy mansion. They, they got like 8,000 visitors. I mean, you're already besting that, and you've got a couple more days to go. I find this all very creative and very gutsy. And I guess I just want to finish by asking you what you think maybe your mom would think of the woman you've become today. I'd like to think she's proud. I'd like to think that um, she has created a woman um, that exceeded what her generation thought they could do. 
And I'm hoping she's thinking that she's got a granddaughter, meaning my daughter, who's going to break even bigger ceilings than her daughter did. And I know my mom is saying, and don't think you've done enough. You got to keep going. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) You know, I just lost my mom last year and I was there, thankfully, for her last moments. And I was whispering to her because she was the same. She said, keep going, darling, keep going. And I said, Mom, Mom, don't worry. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. So, yes, even in the most difficult of times, you make that promise to people who believe and believed in you and to yourself and to your kids. Oh, and what a great story. Thank you so much. And by the way, tell your dad that uh, being the CEO of Perno Ricard North America is more fun than being an engineer, at least in, in our opinion. Okay. Okay. Thank you. And Merka G, thank you so much. And, and what did I tell you guys? Every time we're going to bring you these stories of success through the fire, through the difficulties, through the tears, through the pain, through the failures. And it should give you the belief that you can reach beyond your grasp for what's a heaven for. Thanks so much for joining us. I'll see you, as always, 3 p.m. Eastern on Fox Biz. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.